Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Jenny Lee. Uh, Jenny Lee of Jenny Lee and Jenny Lee of Warpaint. And, uh, and it's a lovely chat. Jenny's at home in the States and we talk all the usual stuff. We talk about great records. We talk about her career. We talk about her life. Uh, we talk about all manner of lovely stuff and it's all coming your way very shortly. Ahead of that, just a few thank yous. I'd like to thank Scribius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. I'd like to thank 76 for producing this. Uh, and I'd like to thank you lot for just continuing to be nice and listen to the podcast, say nice things, share it, and yeah, just generally be lovely. Also, if you're a new listener and you've uh, yet to have a listen to this podcast, when you get to the end of uh, this glorious natter, uh, with Jenny, go and have a look in the archives because there's over 330 episodes now and you can hear me talking to a really, really big range of, of, of creative people, whether it be Tommy Lee of Motley Crue, whether it be Foo Fighters, whether it be Idols, Suede, um, actors such as Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Amanda Abington, Thomas Turgoose, Molly Windsor, um, through to producers such as Butch Fig, um, bundles and bundles of all your favourite indie bands are all been on here, um, comedians such as James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Maisie Adam, Jade Adams, like stacks. Go and have a go and have a little look about in the archives because, like I said, there's over 330 episodes with some just delightful um, and friendly. Um, creative people that I've been so blessed to have some really nice warm chats with and this is one of them so uh, yeah sit down and enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the wonderful Jenny Lee of Warpaint Sorry I've interrupted the podcast but with good reason Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors you know that now because I tell you about it every episode but they've been super kind now and you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins cream liqueurs all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies um and what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to and all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners go over there answer a question and you could win the full range delivered to your front door I mean that's kind of them all you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track 
podcast. Hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Right, we are recording. Jenny, how are you doing today? I'm really good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Thanks. It's uh, it's a bit dark and cold and autumn set in here. Um, whereabouts are you right now? I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Nice. Sunshine? Yeah. Nope. It's dark and gray. It's it's winter. Winter is here. Okay. Well, let's try and um, <laughs> let's try and inject a little rare sunshine into each other's lives yeah. right now. Right. <laughs> let's do that. Um, I well, actually like it. It's cozy. Yeah, do you it's know really- what? I'll make you right. I'll make you right. You, yeah. got, you, you got your hoodie on. That's that's yep. official winter clothing, isn't it? Like <laughs> In the bed, sweats. But it's nice because um, LA, I was in LA for like 20 years and there's really like hardly any weather there. And it's real, you know, it's it's beautiful and sunny, but it's, this place is just like four seasons. It feels, yeah, you get a little down in the wintertime, some whatever, but I think it's, it's like necessary, you know. Well, speaking of things that I guess has, has influenced lots of people's kind of well-being and stuff over the, the, the recent sort of couple of years, like just before we sort of move into the playlist and that, Jenny, just want to ask you really how you found lockdown, both personally and creatively. Um, I actually. Uh... It was interesting because I I moved to Salt Lake City. My boyfriend is from here. Um, I had been visiting um, a lot over the past like four or five years. And so I I just decided that it was about a couple of months before lockdown. But when I decided to come here, it was just probably for like three months. The plan was like, oh, just go there for a couple of months, chill out, hang out with his family because his mom and dad live here as well. And they have a really nice, just sweet home nestled in the mountains or just before the mountains. Um, and it's cozy there and it always was cozy. So basically lockdown hit a couple of months after that. And so then I decided to stay, but we were all staying in the family home. And uh, at times it was, it was really frustrating just because there was a lot of us in the house. But I also realized there was a lot of people who were spending that time alone, alone. So being isolated, double isolated in a way. Um, And we, we honestly just had like, we had campfires every night. We, you know, we ate meals. It was actually like a real family, like familial experience for me. And I sort of, my, my family's not really like that. Like growing up, you know, we would all eat dinner separately. We were all just sort of independent and, they're very much about like, you know, the, the like community commune together for dinners and do things together. And so that was a nice change of pace for me. I think, um, there were times, don't get me wrong, that I was going a little crazy just being in a house. Cause I also am used to living alone. Yeah. So it was, there was those challenges, but I feel like in retrospect, those were nice challenges to have, you know? Anyways, and creatively, it was really good. I wrote, I basically wrote a record um, during that time, or most of it, a good chunk of it. Um, 
I painted a lot, which was really, really nice. And also it was the first time, it was the first time in years that I actually had like time off. Yeah. Proper, proper time off. There was even times where I was like, well, shoot, what should I do? Like, I didn't even know what was happening with the, no one knew what was happening. I thought, Hey, maybe, maybe my career is over. Like, maybe this isn't going to be a thing anymore. Maybe the whole world is going to change and it's people are, I don't know. It just was, there were so many things obviously um, that were uncertain and so, yeah, I was like, uh, what do I do? Should I go get my real estate license? Should I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really was. I was like, I yeah. could do that. It's like $500 and you take you got to take a course for four weeks to six weeks if you cram it in. There was all kinds of things where I was like, I, did I've you always wanted like, to be. Did you really have like thoughts then, Jenny, that, you know, this situation? Because there was there was definitely points, maybe like seven, eight months in, where I, I think a lot of us were thinking, Oh shit! I thought this was going to be done in like a month, and it's it's not going away. And Mm-mm. did you have you know real thoughts that you know maybe the whole landscape of the music industry and that could completely reshuffle and you know and and will come out of this and it'll be a completely different environment? Was that a, a legit thought? It really was. I didn't you know tours shows were getting canceled. You know mainly like I that's like it's my livelihood and that's how, you know, my, the band and also playing shows. Like we've never really been, we've, that's sort of how we make our money is by touring record sales are, you know, nice coffee money every once in a while. (laughs) And when you get a royalty payment for $5, (laughs) Um, but touring is the, that's the main, that was how we made our money. So I, that was just getting canceled. There was really no, I could, no shows. We were all in different places. Stella was in Australia. So as far as like getting together and maybe just playing and doing live streams was off the table. Uh, I'm in Utah. Emily was in the desert and then Oregon and T was in LA. So we were all, we were totally split up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was definitely like, I just, we were also in the middle of making a record as well. So I was making, War paint and my and the solo stuff. Yeah. Um, and even though I was doing that and it was happening, I felt um, there was a moment there where I was just like, "What are we doing? That what are we doing this for? Yeah. You know what I mean? What is it like? What what's the what's the end game here?" Yeah. It was it was um, so strange, Jenny, and it's like mm-hmm. there were so many moments when like I was saying to my children, I was like, "Just kind of breathe this in a little bit. It's a bit bleak." You know, if you're 15, it must be awful. But yeah, but just kind of acknowledge what's happening because, like, in years to come, you'll look back on this and it will be, fuck yeah, that was that mad year where the world stopped turning. It was like, you know, I was like, this is kind of history right now. So I kind of try yeah. and breathe it into a degree. Do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, it was strange, so strange, and and no one had any answers, and that's what kind no. of made it really, really odd. But I know we did that. Yes. No one had any answers. You couldn't really believe. I mean, you're just getting so many mixed, mixed information about it all out there. And so you, that mixed with also like fear, you don't, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want to leave the house really. I didn't want to get COVID. So it was, it was really strange. It felt a bit like apocalyptic. Absolutely. It's like, whoa. Right, I'm going to throw a tenuous link in. Right, so 
I guess one of the constants that's always there is the lovely thing that's music. So yes. should we uh, should we talk about some records? Yes, let's do it. Glorious. Um, I am going to ask you first to please okay. tell me the song, Jenny, that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. The greatest ever intro. Okay, so I answered these questions. Um, it was honestly, it was the first... Because I don't want to think too, I don't know, whenever I'm put on the spot or I'm asked a question, sometimes I get a little heady about it. And you're like, oh, wait, what? Especially about what's your favorite, what's your favorite this or what's your da da It's like, oh, there's so many. And I don't know. So my list is pretty interesting. I found it interesting. But um, the greatest intro, I I actually just, I've obviously heard this song forever. It, uh sorry I have to look at my list now I know it was heart crazy crazy what is that song sorry one second um there they are crazy on you she sorry um I was I've heard this song obviously since I was a little girl um but I was geeking out on the intro because I always thought it was two different songs when I was just, when I was little, I was like, Oh, what's this cool song? You know what I mean? It's just this musical like, or instrumental intro or whatever. But then obviously the, the next would follow. And I just, I never really put it together when I was little, I had always just remembered listening to it. And then I had just geeked out on it like two weeks ago where I was like, that really is just such a weird, amazing, intricate, random Random for when it when it goes into it, but I feel like and and also just such a slow, slow build. Yeah. Totally. But then when when the song actually hits, you're like, oh, what a payoff. Yeah. And it's it's not like you're not enjoying, but you're you're like, where's this going? Because it feels like it goes to a thousand different places as well, and you're just kind of following it. To like, all right, where are you going to land? And then that, then the little guitar riff comes in, and then you're like, okay, this is really really cool. How did you guys come up with this? So I totally agree, and I love like a, a lengthy intro where you do get that big payoff, you know. Yep. But so I'm going to ask you this: when it comes to okay. um, making music, um, does it ever enter? In, and I have tried to ask this question correctly for 333 episodes, and I've still never framed <laughs> it right, Jenny. But I'll try. Um, I want to know, like. It would appear now when I watch my children with their phones and how they get their music, it's very quick, super quick um, attention spans. And when I hear, if I put on my maybe sort of commercial radio, the pop music that's being made is like bang, chorus. Like there's, there's no, it's like straight in, just grabs you. Um, I just wonder if any of them little things are, ever find their way into you, your songwriting process. Or are you still, I'll write as I want to write. Um, But are you ever aware of like, oh, maybe I could kind of start with the chorus or start with this hook here. Like what, do you get where I'm trying to go with this question, Jenny? I do. Um, I think I'm going to answer as best as I can, or at least to my understanding of what you're saying. Um, I, I, maybe in the past a little bit more, but no, this is sort of a way that I've always solo stuff when I've, when I start writing a song, I find that I always, I feel like I'm always, I, I start with a chorus because I'm, st- I'm like writing something and it, it feels 
it always feels like the hookiest thing to me. Like just when you're starting to write something like, Oh, I like that. That's, this is cool. Where's this going to go? And naturally to get me excited about it, it's, it feels like a hook or a chorus or with bass or with guitar or even vocals. Like I used to do that a lot. I would, I would kind of just mantra out. I didn't have a whole lot of like lyrics in my, in my songs. It was just a lot of mantras, but that's because I was like, I, I would start with what felt like a chorus. And so it was really like, well, what do you follow with that? Or most of the songs are like, you know, maybe they do start with the chorus or they're not totally typical like format, but um, recently I, you mean like, okay, so back to your question. If I am writing something, I definitely, especially alone, I feel like I tend to, um, okay, it needs to change and this needs to change right now, or this needs to go to something different or it yeah. needs to go exciting. It's a little quicker. Like instead of if you're there jamming with somebody else or playing with somebody else, mm-hmm. like the girls, for instance, uh, we will jam out and I, we jam out on, on stuff or, or just sort of play with each other and see where, what happens next or who takes the lead or we just kind of do this dance with each other. And so I feel like with us, our songwriting isn't necessarily the most, um, we don't really follow like a, I guess a pop formula or yeah. like, you know, it's a little different just cause there's four of us sort of speaking the language with each other and, yeah. Um, having an exchange. So it's, it's like, we're all kind of taking turns doing things. And sometimes it takes longer to get to the chorus or what's happening before the chorus. There's like these little, you know, there's these little paths going different places. And then we land at a chorus or I don't know, but it's easier for me to do what you were talking about alone. I think it's a little more straightforward where you're like, okay, verse, chorus, verse, bridge chorus you know what i mean however that goes or part a part b part c okay do b again Mm. now go to c i don't know there's definitely a formula there that feels a little more um uh what's the word i'm looking for um a little more instant i don't you know what i mean like i want um yeah sort of what you were describing Sorry, sometimes it's just hard to articulate. <laughs> oh, honestly, I, I've, I've not framed that question right for three years now, so, uh, <laughs> so no pressure. No, it's it. <laughs> All right, well, look, Jenny, I'm going to take you back uh, for track two, and I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Um, so when I was little, little, it was the first song that I remember really liking, or hearing it and really like wanting to dance or just enjoying it and, and remembering it and probably like singing along to it as well. I think I was like three or something, but it's starship. We built the city <laughs> and I'm just laughing at the list of songs. Um, the list surprised me too, by the way, I was like, Whoa, that's an interesting eclectic, but I eclectic think, uh, mix I think of songs. That- the, the way that you approached it, I prefer that. Like, right, these mm. are the first ones that come into my head. And, like, yeah. And I guess, you know, for some of these questions, you can wake up in a different mood tomorrow and they'll be completely different. Like, yeah, or you'll remember something different. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, you're um, not being judged too heavily on Starship. Don't worry. Like, nah. And that's a tune as <laughs> you well. You know what I still – yeah, <laughs> no, I love it. I just think it's – 
you know, it's just a random song. It's a funny song, but I loved that song when I was little. And I can't remember. I feel like I remember being in a bar or something with my dad in the jukebox and they were like playing pool and drinking. All of his friends were having fun. And I don't know, this was when I was three in Reno, Nevada. So you probably could have your kid at the bar, who knows, or it just wasn't, no one cared. But I just remember dancing and enjoying that, just enjoying that time with my father and, and his friends and just like, I don't know, everybody kind of came alive when that song came on. And so it just felt like a celebration. Yeah. That was, that was one of the first records I ever bought. Like, and there was a little shop in my town and they used to sell, I don't know if they do that in the States, but they, they, they used to, uh, in the UK, the, the records that had come out of the jukebox, like they'd sell them off cheap. And like, and so you could buy these records that had the middles missing where they'd been pushed out for the jukebox. And, and so you could buy what was called oh. like ex jukebox records in the UK, really cheap. And, uh, and I think it was like 50 P and, uh, and I got that record and I was so excited. And I don't know if you do it. If you like, if you find a new record, just a, a track or you hear a track on wherever you get it and you like it, do you play it over and over and over and over? I'm terrible for that. Do you do that? Yep. I do. I even, I mean, I do that with songs too. Yeah. I'm just, but yes, when there's a record, I just like, oh yeah. It's, and it's, I don't know if it's a, I'm not sure, but I I don't, I don't know with the times or just because of streaming and Spotify and, and just people wanting to listen to songs, singles or not albums in their entirety. Um, I don't know. I just haven't felt that feeling in a long time. Like I haven't done that in a while. It's definitely just like with older records for sure. It's been a minute since probably cause I don't listen to them like that anymore. I used to listen to CDs or, you know, I don't have the largest vinyl collection. So I'll say CDs and put it in your car and drive and listen to the yeah. whole, the whole thing. And now I'll do that on Spotify. If I'm curious if there's, you know, an album out, but I don't, yeah, it's hard to even think of like albums these days that I listened to in their entirety and what I'd want. How to do just you approach it? Put on as an artist. Like, do you still <sighs> do you still like spend loads of time on track listing? And you know, do you want the listeners of your music and and Warpaint's music to listen to the album as a piece of art, as a body of work, rather than <laughs> cherry picking a few tracks off of iTunes? Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Um... Yes, definitely. When we're making albums, it's like, okay, when we're picking songs for the albums or even when I am, I would hope, you know what I mean? Every song I make, I, I like, so I would hope, you know what I mean? That it would all, it's like, I don't always just make the, the songs are obviously written over time and not necessarily thought of in the moment. Oh, this is going to go well with that song I just wrote. Or I'm, you know what I mean? It's just like what I'm, what I'm, what comes out and sometimes it's like oh I wonder how all these songs are going to fit together and they usually work great I mean it works but that's not how I write I guess and same with the girls but we're definitely when we when we do go in to make an album it's it's to make an album and for it to be an experience to listen to as a whole and oftentimes they you know um they, I keep losing my train of thought. I'm sorry. They complement each other. Yeah. So it's nice to have, you know, to listen to them together. But also recently I've been re- just releasing seven inches. Yeah. So <clears throat> I just released one and then released two more before Christmas. And then my actual LP is going to be out in April. 
with these with the six songs I released and then four more. So this has been interesting because I've been writing as I as I go. It's, it wasn't just like go in the studio for a month and record all these songs. I've been writing and recording over the last year, and each seven inch was due kind of at a separate time. So. I was actually sort of writing songs to be like, oh, this would be a nice pair with the other song. Yeah. So it was never the the initial plan that I'm going to write an album. It was like, I'm going to write this this single and then I'm going to write this single and then ultimately the album is going to come. Or, you know, what is there like, I'm trying to get this right as well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So the the, the fact that you'd released the the, the seven-inch singles, was that just you know, going to be a standalone release and then it was, oh, no, I'm going to do another one. And, okay, this is now going to form part of an album. It was, the the long-term goal was an LP, but the, but the seven inches were going to be before and I had the, the dates to turn them in were sort of different and scattered. So I had time to like turn in one song and then turn in another song that would go with that. And then, you know, kind of did it like that. And then there was a final date to turn in everything. Okay. So then I sort of wrote the rest for the rest of the album. Yeah. Right. I'm going to keep you in the form okay. of years. And, uh, and for track three, the song reminds you of. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The time at school, please, Jenny. Today by Smashing Pumpkins. That's a great record. Yeah, same stream, I know. And it still stands, and I listen to it, and it feels so much like... I can't remember when that song came in. I think it came out when I was in sixth grade, maybe. 90, I'm going to say 92. Oh, 92. Okay, so I was, yeah, it was like fifth grade. Fifth grade, sixth grade for me. And 
that's also like the time where I was able to, I was listening to the radio a lot. That's how I listened to music. My parents didn't really have, we had like single tapes. Yeah. The single tapes, tape singles. And my mom was always too cheap to buy the full record. So (laughs) she was, or the full tape, you know? So she was like, oh, you know, you can buy the singles. You can always buy, you know, just buy single singles. So I listened to the radio and always listened to the singles. There'd be like a side B or whatever. But that song, um, I think I'm answering another question. That song today was, um, yeah, it came out fifth grade or sixth grade. So my point is that I would go to the, I was like interested in music enough to want to be able to go to the store and actually yeah. buy, buy things. Um, and I had money and was able to do that. I like, you know, I got allowance or whatever. And so, um, yeah, Siamese Dream, that album and that song today, mainly just because I didn't get the whole albums until like maybe later on when I was in high yeah. school. Um, just always, it, it reminds me of being in elementary school. It reminds me of being middle school. It reminds me of being in high school. It reminds me of, it just reminds me, it just has come, the, the whole album has traveled with me throughout my life in a really nice way where it just feels nostalgic, but it also feels really present as well. That makes sense. Total sense, and I think mm-hmm. I think the videos like super iconic as well. For for me, mm-hmm. that that kind of that was like being the age I am. I was probably about eighteen when that come out, and so I was getting exposed to Pumpkins, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Pavement, Dinosaur Jr. Mm-hmm. All of these amazing bands were all just coming over to the UK, and it was just when kind of our friends and that were starting to be able to afford to have. MTV at home. And yeah. I just remember that that ice cream oh. van of them just like driving oh, through. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man. I, I saw them. I, saw, I was so lucky. I saw um, Pumpkins when they toured Gish. Um, mm. And oh, my God, it's still one of the greatest gigs I've ever seen. Like, the, was the drummer's name Jimmy Chamberlain, wasn't it? Jimmy, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That guy on drums was off the scale. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They're so, they're really, really, really amazing. I feel like even you were just saying, um, just MTV, MTV back in the day. I miss that. That's just nostalgic. Just the music, music television and proper music television. It's so weird that it's so weird. We don't have, we don't really have that anymore. Do we? It's so weird. Like, like, <laughs> well, I don't know about it. No, not in the UK. <laughs> like MTV in the UK is just kind of like, Kardashians and TV, it's reality like TV, TV reality stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like there's no, you know, we had MTV two for a while in the UK. That's gone now. There's no like, yeah, if you're a bit weird and wonderful and and like, you know, there's there's nothing for you. There's nothing no. to kind of give you that little hug that you know so many generations before them had. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's sad. There's like YouTube, I guess, and you can watch videos. You can watch everyone's videos, mm. but I don't know. It just feels, yeah, MTV was such a part of my childhood as well. And watching the videos was also just so exciting because you got to hear the song that you wanted to hear as yeah. well. Yeah. You can't always hear. If you didn't have it at home, which I didn't have like a large music selection when I was little, it was the only way to hear those songs was either on the radio or MTV. And that, so, that attaches a value to it, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think like it sounds ridiculous because – you know, if you had a, a VHS or a DVD of them songs and them videos, mm-hmm. you could watch it a million times. But if you just happen to have MTV on and a video, a random video comes on, it's all the better. And it's the same when you have the radio on in the car. 
right? Yeah. I, I could listen to, you know, Today by the Smashing Pumpkins a million times. If I just happen yeah. to have the radio on and it comes on, it's all about. It's so yeah. much better. It's like, yes, it's on the radio. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds so lame, yeah. but I know what I'm trying no, to go it with. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yes, it's on the radio. You get stoked. <laughs> yeah, I miss that feeling. So, um, Jenny, tell me about school. Was it something you enjoyed? Not really. No. <laughs> I was um, – no, I liked the, so- the socializing part. I liked being with friends. And, yeah, I didn't really – I wasn't, like, the most studious kid. I had, like – it was hard for me to focus and I just wanted to be talking and I was really hyper. And, um, so yeah, the learning aspect of school was a little challenging for me, but, uh, but I did, you know, what was funny is I didn't really exercise that when I was younger. I don't, my mom isn't very like, she wasn't very creative. We didn't grow up in like, I don't, yeah, it wasn't a very creative household. I don't, that sounds kind of rude, but it wasn't, um, and it's funny, my sister and I are both really creative and I think we, we needed those, we needed outlets like that. And yeah. it was, it was hard for me to like figure out what I wanted to do. I really had like, I'm ADHD. I'm sure, I'm sure I even got diagnosed with it, but my mom was just like, whatever, she's a kid, you know, let her yeah. figure it out. And there were different, I would, um, I would switch like, you know, activities or I do softball, I do piano, I do dance, I do karate. There was like all these things that I would just try for a little bit and I'd get bored and then I'd do something different. Um, So I was always sort of looking for what's that thing that I can jive with? And then music came, but that didn't really happen until, I mean, I messed around with the piano when I was younger, but nothing serious. And my mom didn't have one at home. So it was whenever I could get my hands on one that I would play, but again nothing serious just it felt fun to do and it felt right and natural um but then I started playing bass when I was 19 so it kind of took me a minute to figure out what my creative outlet was you know or that I even had one I didn't even know what that energy really was I had a lot of it but it was just like where do I put it didn't know did you have any idea what you wanted to be when you was at school I wanted to be a hairstyle, a cosmetologist. I, since I, I said that since I was five or I, somebody asked me when I was five, what I want to be. And I said, a cosmetologist, which is every, it's like all encompassing hair, nails, facials. Um, and I said, I wanted to do that for a while. And then I was in high school and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll be a psychologist. And there's a, a one of like a tiny little moment where I wanted to be an architect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then an astronaut. <laughs> you got to dream big, Jenny. You got to dream big, mate. I wanted to be a stuntman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's these are. It's funny. I'm laughing because I'm like, whoa, those are big. Like they just seem so random to me now. But um, then I just decided I wanted to move to LA. My sister had been living in LA a couple of years before me, and she was a dancer. And then she got into acting and doing some stuff. So she lived there, and I was visiting her. For like the, she moved when I was a freshman. No, she was a freshman. I was a freshman. She was a senior. She moved when I was a sophomore. So I had sophomore, junior, and senior year without her in Reno, and she had, was in LA. And so I was visiting her, and I, I basically, I just wanted to take time off of school. I didn't like school. By the time I had gotten to high school, I was, I was never going to class. I was ditching all the time. I just didn't want to be there. 
it was depressing to me that it just, the environment was depressing. The town, I felt like the town was depressing. I just wanted out. And every time I went to LA, it just seemed so glamorous and just like opportunity and options and culture and just felt, it just felt way more inspiring. So sorry for long winded answer. Um, I decided to just go to LA and take time off of school and figure it out. I was like, I just want to go pay bills, get a job, live some life for a minute. I don't want to go to college for four years. I don't know what I want to do. Just going and getting your gen eds for two years seemed like torture. I was just like, I don't care about school. (laughs) So yeah, moved to LA and just figured it out. Started like sewing and playing music and just being really creative um, going on auditions. I did that for a while. I didn't want to be an actor, but I just go on like commercial and print. So I had like a commercial and like model agency and I did that for some years. And that was nice. Cause if you booked a gig, then you had, you had a decent amount of money to like do things that you wanted, which was cool. Um, was she confident Jenny? Were I confident? Hmm. Um, growing up. Yeah. No. <laughs> Move, moving to LA and doing stuff like that. I mean, that, that, you know, to me, that, that, I would imagine that takes an element of, of confidence. My sister was there. So I think had she not been there, I wouldn't have, been, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah. I was very, yeah. She, I, I, if she would have went somewhere else, I probably would have followed her there. When I was growing up, she was definitely like my role model and like a good example of, you know, someone who knew what she wanted and went after it. So I sort of looked up to her for that. Cause I didn't actually, I was just felt a little bit lost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she was, I feel like she was pretty confident, confident and just knowing, you know, she, I think she just had a little bit more, I don't want to say drive, but just more direction. What about drive? I, Are you driven? I feel like I am. Yes. Um, I'm driven. Ludo. Sorry, my dog's having a bad dream. Mush, mush. Um, I, I feel like I have a drive to create and do things that make, that are expressive. Um, I feel like in my creative outlets, that's, that's very easy for me to kind of stream of consciousness, express how I'm feeling, but through art or through painting or just creating or doing, doing anything creative. It's like a really, it's a good outlet for me. It feels like, Oh, this needed to come out some in some way, you know, some sort of form, not sure what it is. It's not that I'm not good talking about things, but there's just like, it's just the energy that I need to let out. And I have drive for that because if I don't do that, um, then I get, I get depressed. You know, I start to feel like I'm lacking, um, purpose. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm, I wish I was better at like business and having to drive for, um, money. (laughs) And that sounds, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not trying to be Elon Musk or anything, obviously, but I, you know, I definitely have like an entrepreneur mind and I wish I was a little bit more driven or had even the urge or more drive to even just learn about being better at that stuff. But it kind of, that stuff comes a little bit hard for me and I wish it didn't. 
because I know I have good ideas and it's just about executing them. And also, yeah, even just being better with your money and doing certain things like that, just so that you can ensure, you know, financial security for yourself, invest, do certain things. Yeah. That drive is definitely lackluster. But then and also, prob- my, yeah, go on. Sorry. Go what on. were you saying, Jenny? Oh, I was just going to say that, um, even being creative, it's not like I'm, I'm making, I'm not really making the art to sell, you know, yeah. I, I, I sure I would love to. And I do sometimes, which is really great. And same with music, but like, we don't really approach music. We can't go in a room and write a song and just be like, Oh, let's real, let's make a hit, you know, let's make a hit. That's going to make us a bunch of money because we don't, we only know what to do. We only know how to make the music that we all for like, Yeah, and And that's really the only way that we can do, can't write a song that we're not feeling. If we were feeling a song and that happened to be a total hit, that's great. But I can't, I can't go into the, the, the creation process with that in mind because it doesn't feel, I guess it just doesn't feel creative. To go in there and do what you want to do. And also knowing that, you know, there's an audience that, that love that. Then I heard Alan McGee once say um, he was speaking about uh, Creation Records and and he he spoke about um, Primal Scream and he said the, the thing with Primal Scream is they're never going to be the biggest band on the label or the biggest band in the UK but their following loves what they do and they will sell yeah. the same amount of every record they ever make like because there's I think there's so much to be said for just kind of knowing what you do and what you enjoy doing and you can't fake that and listeners will yeah. see through that. Like, and I think if you do what you do best and, and it's a, you know, it's a process that's really fun and rewarding mm-hmm. as an artist and people are into it. I think that's the winning formula right there. Yeah, totally. And that's, I mean, that's the only formula that I guess I know yeah. and that they know, you know, that we know we're paint together um and yeah i don't know i feel like we're honoring honoring ourselves and definitely and our authenticity and that feels really good if it's and it's not just like a move you know like oh no that's cheesy it's like we just you just make what you like Mm. and hopes that other people will too or in hopes that everybody who will like it hears it you know track four jenny the first song you remember buying from a record store Okay, so we're back to the tape singles. (laughs) Um, And this is in fifth grade. And there were two that came to mind. I just want to talk about cassette singles for a minute, right? Okay. So what was really cool about them was, right, as an art, especially for an artist as well, is you kind of definitely listened to the B-side. Because on on that cassette single, you just get the A-side and the B-side. Then you turn it over and you get the A-side and the B-side again. Yeah. And so... There's so many cassette singles I had where I knew the B-side that if I would have bought that on vinyl, I probably never would have turned it over. So I do think the cassette singles definitely kind of introduced people to B-sides a bit more. Yeah, and like the 7-inch too. Mm. Just the – but yes, they – I feel like also did you have the tape player? um, It would just automatically – go to the B-side. So you could just listen to the A and the B and the A and the B and the A and the B, which I did that. I'll tell you what, right. 
you're, you, you're balling over there, I tell you, because I could not afford a Walkman that had auto-reverse. That was like, you was doing all right if you had the auto-reverse yeah. Walkman. That was that was like, the posh kids ran my way out there. It was like, wow, auto-reverse. It was, and it was in the uh, the car. Yeah. I think, the yeah, it was in the car, in my mom's car. But um, that's so funny. I can't even remember what was on these B-sides. You'd think I would because they were the first their first tapes, but I don't, maybe I wasn't into them. Who knows? But okay. The first two tapes, I think I went to the store and bought them both. Um, and it was under, Oh, it was a uh, red hot chili peppers under the bridge and Celine Dion. If you ask me to, <laughs> those were the first tapes for fifth from, I was in fifth grade. Those were the first tapes. I went to the record store and bought, and I actually bought two of each because those, it was for a birthday party or yeah, it was a birthday present for one of my friends. And I bought two of each cause I wanted one. Mm. I wanted them both. And so I just bought what I wanted for the person, <laughs> for the, the person's whose birthday it was. Um, but yep. I remember those, those were the two tapes I first bought. I couldn't believe I remembered that. And that's why you asked me these questions. And I was like, Whoa, the first thing that came to mind were just in, I don't know. This the interesting eclectic for sure. Just a bit. I mean, you yep. couldn't get two further ends of the kind of musical no. spectrum, really, could you? No. I know. it was. I was listening to a couple of different radio stations back then, clearly. Mm. <laughs> well, well, tell me about record stores and your relationship with them, both from... You know, uh, you know, growing up and and and, and you know, and buying you know cassette singles and CDs and things like that, and then also, tell me a little bit about your relationship with them now as an independent artist, and you know, has so many certainly in the UK um, independent record stores. You know, they, they champion you know independent artists so much. I just want to know mm-hmm. a little bit about your relationship with the the record stores. I, you know what? It's not. I'm always support. I mean, I love, I love record shops. I think they're great. But again, like I, since I haven't really gone to them much since CDs sort of phased out yeah. because I was going to them a lot more because that's what I had. I had a car with the CD player. We didn't have Spotify. Unfortunately, streaming has definitely taken away the joy of going into the the record store and buying the music yeah. that way. You know, even iTunes, even just putting things on your iPod sure. years ago. Um, but I, um, yeah, the record shops that I had in Reno, you know, were just the big, the ones I had access, not the ones I had access to, but just the ones that were close or whatever, were like tower records were the big boys. And there was a couple of record shops in Reno. There was one called recycled records, I believe is still there. You know, I wouldn't, I would say I probably went to record shops more when I was younger and it's been yeah. a minute. There's Amoeba in, in LA, which I love. A lot of, like you said, a lot of independent record shops closed for yeah. a while. A lot of them did. And then there was like, there was a little bit of a resurgence. It happened in LA. I was like, oh, this is a cool little record shop. And now there's quite a bit. Mm. So I think vinyl, vinyl, vinyl came back. Um people were wanting that more. Obviously there's more record shops popping up like just a couple of years prior they were closing. So, um, anyways, sorry to answer your question. I, I love them and I wish that there were more of them. And I, yeah, I wish that I had the drive to go and hang out at record shops and 
buy vinyl and do it. I, that's something I need to get better at. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the best it, at it. It is so easy to, to listen to Spotify and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Like, you know, I don't want to, you know, th- this podcast is not about, you know, oh, it's all better when it was back in the day with vinyl and that there's there's, there's something (laughs) lovely about that journey and you know and I love I love vinyl but I also love the simplicity that within Mm -hmm. seconds the whole world's music is just there in front of me yeah I I, I love that um the access totally yeah absolutely yeah anyway I'm gonna take you clubbing Jenny and I want to know for track five (laughs) the song that soundtracked your years clubbing now, this one was a tricky one because there's probably many songs that have soundtracked the clubbing or the pre-clubbing or I wasn't really a clubber. I did go out and dance at like bars or dive bars or there were jukebox or there would yeah. be a DJ. But it was it was like when you envision clubbing, it's definitely it doesn't feel like, you know, yeah, it's not like a ravey club or like a crazy yeah. dance club. But anyways, the song that I would always be cutting a rug to is Cool in the Gang, Get Down on It. Watching. And I love it so much. I've always loved that song for sure. But that was another interesting, like, that's the song that came to my, to my head, like, right away. Maybe it was like I even wanted to hear it at that moment where I thought about, like, dancing and being out. And I was just like, oh, that song for sure. And I've spent lots of times in my life grooving to that out and about. You like a dance, Jenny? I do. I do. I love to. And I don't do enough of that either. I'm starting to like just dance in my apartment and, you know, just get it out just because it's been a minute, obviously. Yeah. And there's nowhere to go. But speaking of, I'm going to go to Caribou tonight because they're playing and they're dancey. They're playing here in Salt Lake. Do you know Caribou? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You never know. Um, Yeah. So I'm excited about that. But, um, Yes, I do. I love to dance. Excellent. Well, I'm going to take you home for this one. Okay. Uh, And a favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. Okay. This was also a hard one because there weren't many. Okay. Um, Who who was in the mix? Who who is from uh, your home county? No no one. Really? (laughs) (laughs) that, That narrows it down. Rude, but I was like, I don't, I didn't know. I, I even Googled. I was just like, who is from there? What band, you know, is, and there were, there was a seven seconds. Um, it's like a punk, punk band. Right. From like the 90s, maybe the early 90s. I don't know if they were late 80s, but the singer, the lead singer, the guy who probably started the band is from Reno, but right. I was never really into them. So, um, not that they were bad. It just wasn't my thing. Yeah. Um, and then there is a band, a local band called fall silent. And they did a cover of heartbreaker by heart. So you would really think that I was like the biggest heart fan, which I think they're amazing, but it's just funny that yeah. two heart songs on this very short list. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, I love that song. That song was great. But that was, it was, it felt, I didn't, um, not to take it away from them, but just there, were not, there weren't very many options. Yeah. But I did actually really love that song. And they're a cool band. They're a hardcore, they're a hardcore band with like a really screamy, screamy yeah. front man. Screamo front man. Screamo. It's an emotional, emotional scream. Yeah. 
There's melody in his screen. Right. <laughs> well, this is when uh, I'll take you from the clubs and I'll put you behind the DJ booth because you can be an uh, influencer and tastemaker DJ now for the last track, uh, Jenny. And I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Self-Control by Laura Branigan. <sighs> Watching. Yeah. She, yes. And that is my mom and dad only had a few, they only had a few um, records in the house, like vinyl and they would go away. So there was, there was like three records that I remember. Um, It was Boz Skaggs. Don't know. I can't remember which one, but three artists, Boz Skaggs. And there was Barbara Streisand, Barry Gibb, Guilty and um, Laura Branigan. I don't know what that was. It called self control. I'm not sure what the album was called. Self control, I think. Yeah, and so I would listen to those albums on repeat when they were gone at work. There wasn't anything else to listen to, and I really the Laura Brandigan was. I just loved it. I I don't even know how many people don't know who she is. I feel like I was like Laura Brandigan. I remember even listening to it growing up. People like I have no idea who you're talking about. Like they just didn't. I'm not really even sure. She done Gloria as well, didn't she? Gloria. That was the main yeah. one. Yeah. But like that song, just even songs on that album were actually really good. And just nobody, nobody really knew who she was. But yeah, that was in Flashdance. So. And I think. That was a big hit. I think it might have been in Ghostbusters as well. Gloria? Uh, no. Self-control. Or Self-Control. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Like, um Definitely, because that would have been my introduction to it. Uh, yeah, Gloria was definitely Flashdance, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, like, it's really weird. Like, when, when you kind of get all the, you know, the 80s retrospective nights in the UK, you don't generally hear that. And I don't know why, because it's such... Both of them are huge 80s anthems. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't ever seem to kind of pop up on the, on the 80s nights in the UK. I've no idea why. And I was literally, there's some artists that just don't kind of have the same status in the UK. I was literally talking to my wife the other day, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, like, like with Pat Benatar. And she's like, who? And I went, Pat, oh. Benatar. I went, Pat Benatar. And she went, who's Pat Benatar? I was like, Love is a Battlefield. And I never heard that. And I was like, shush, you've definitely <laughs> heard that. She was like, no, I haven't. And I put it on. She's like, no, I've never heard that. And I thought, wow. how can you not have ever heard Love is a Battlefield? It's like... Do you know what I'm saying? There's some songs yeah. that are just ingrained in the very fabric of music. And it's like, yeah, and I'd, I'd have Laura Brannigan in there, but not in the UK. It just doesn't seem yeah. to have that same kind of class. It doesn't here, really, either. Oh, really? It's not, no, it's it's kind of just like a, if you know, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't, I, I never hear it really on the radio. Maybe I've heard it on the radio like a few times in my life. But well, that's the purpose of this question. Yeah. So now more people are going to hear about it because of you, Jenny. So um, what we do (laughs) is we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the pod uh, with all your choices. And obviously we put some of your music on there, put some more paint on there as well. So people can go and get stuck into uh, all of the music that we've spoken about today. Amazing. So just as we start to wrap this up, um, the end of 2021 hopefully is going to continue to be a more connected healthier happier positive place than what the end of 2020 was yep with that in mind jenny what are you looking forward to from the rest of this year and what's going to be happening professionally 
looking forward to for this year. Okay. So, well, right now we're, I'm in the middle or I'm last stages of, um, new records. So that's a new war paint record and a new Jenny Lee record. Um, literally like ma- mastering mine tomorrow. And then I think mastering war paints today, or we've been mastering it, but just we're making little tweaks. So looking forward to that coming to a finish, which is going to be just a really nice relief because we've been working on it for a while and also doing them both at the same time is a little, feels a little like multitasking, stressy, you know, not stressy, you know what I'm saying? Just, it's a lot. Um, so I'm looking forward to, for the rest of this year, um, I, it's going to be winter and I'm excited to go snowboarding and just get cozy and enjoy it and paint and, you know, try and take some trips for leisure because next year we're going to, our, both records will be released, but there's touring on the table, which is great. We're going, we're coming to Europe, um, in May. So I'm excited about that because it's been a minute and that's about a five week tour or four or five week tour. And then the summer touring's more anyway. So next year is going to be touring, which is awesome. So I'm going to do my very best to soak in the chill, cozy in bed by five 30, watching the story <laughs> under the covers. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. And if people want to keep up to speed with not just war paint, but yourself, where's the best place yeah. to, to find out um, everything that you're up to? Um, the, well, my website, the website, Jenny com is, that's always a little hub for information as well. Um, Instagram, I keep, I post a lot of things about whatever is happening currently or what's to come. And that's Jenny library. Um, yeah, those are the two places I feel like Facebook too, but I mean, those are the two. Excellent. Well, if it's all right with you, Jenny, when this comes out, I'll tag you in it on Instagram. So, so people that haven't yet discovered the, uh, the amazing thing that is Jenny Lee's music can go and do that now. Awesome. Wicked. Jenny, it's been absolutely delightful talking records with you. Thanks loads, mate. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good one. Cheers, Jenny. Bye. There you go. Go check out some Laura Brannigan, people. Change your life. Get your little 80s dance on in the front room. It's lovely. Um, thanks ever so much um, to Jenny for giving up her time to uh, have a little natter with me. Uh, thanks to you lot for listening. Thank you so much for listening, in fact. Um, you know, you make this even more rewarding. I'm so lucky that, you know, throughout the whole of lockdown, I got to disappear to the shed at the end of the garden and have these lovely chats with some people that never in a million years did I ever think I'd be talking to records, um, uh, talking about records too. And which is my favorite thing to do. I love talking about records. I love being a nerd about music and, and how music can be so important in your career and, and how it can just change your path and influence your friends, your fashion and, ah, your mindset and so much. And yeah, I'm just lucky that I've managed to kind of, carve out this little podcast where I get to chat to people that I really admire um, about these things and what's even better is people listen to it and you're one of them so yeah sincere thanks and much love Um, I'm back next time thanks again for listening everything you need to know about this podcast www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com there's all your stuff about merch and patreon and all of that 
stuff's over there. I won't try and hard sell you that. Um, yeah, just have a lovely week, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made Stu with him. Eat it, boy.